everyone. Welcome to an exciting episode of ARG Presents. I'm your boy, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who thought microprose was some sort of poetry convention for short people. I'll give you the Brent. Actually, I thought it was a machine to press pedals for, like, uh, scrapbooking. What? What? What is that? <laughs> is, there, is, that <laughs> is that supposed to be funny or is that a real thing? That, uh, we'll go with both. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, if you saw the show last week, we spun this crazy wheel we've got. We made a crazy deal. It's sort of a repeat deal. Coming back from the old Thanks for Giving Marathon, we're going to be looking at games, Brentster, that were put out by the legendary outfit, Micropros. Ooh, yes, Micropros. Yes, did a few things. Now, Micropros has a, uh, a ridiculous amount of gameage in their back catalog. But a lot of the stuff that uh, uh, Microsoft didn't make everything. They actually, you know, they did a lot of making their own stuff. But they also published a lot of other people's stuff. Now, yes, I looked over a huge, massive list of Micropro software, Brent. Uh, sort of a top, a top fifty or top seventy. They did a lot of games that were off the charts popular. So, what what kind of Micropro games did you play back in the day? To be honest, I knew, not a ton. I knew, knew you were going to say um, that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure everyone's played, like, through XCOM and Civilization. And, yeah, Microprose also did Roller Coaster Tycoon, That's correct. correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I absolutely love those games. 2003, that one came out. And that was a pretty popular title, Brent. One of their most popular. You mentioned the XCOM series, another one of their popular titles. We've, we've played that over on the Amigos. And, uh... I had high hopes that some of the XCOM combat stuff would make it into my game this week. We'll get into that later. What about the, you know, we, we played F-15 Strike Eagle, every conceivable console version on the Thanks for Giving Marathon. Uh, so you never really put your, uh, dipped your toe in the pool on either simulation games that they released. There were many of these things, like your, like your F-19s, oh, gunships. Oh, not so much, to be honest. Simulation games like Flight Sims, not really my bag. Yeah. Uh, what about their crazy uh, combat simulation games? They were behind the uh, video game uh, version of the old Axis and Allies. That's another one that was a pretty popular game. I've played the board game Axis and Allies. Holy smokes. Set aside a couple months, dude. You know what I'm saying? You're it's a little involved. A yeah. little involved. Of course, uh, synonymous with uh, Microprose was the old Sid Meier's, Brent. Uh, of, Absolutely. He also he did a little game uh, for them called Pirates, another game yep. we covered on the Amiga. These guys ran the gambit, though. It's funny, when you look at their back catalog, there was a lot of stuff they did, and I, I have vague recollections of playing. Uh, for example, this came up before we started the show. They were behind the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation game. Uh, that was that was one of their babies. Did you ever play their Star? They did a couple Star Trek games. They did a great game that me and Boat covered on the Amigas. It gets no dap. It gets no love. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was called Covert Action. You played like a spy, uh, and it was uh, it was it was sort of made up of some of mini games uh, that uh, that were you know like lock picking and stuff like that, Enc encrypting sure. messages and stuff. I thought that was a pretty slick game. They were behind the Falcon series, which was a great a game, series. I actually played, uh, I think I played Falcon 4.0, I believe is the one I played. And uh, they that was, again, you have to, if you're into really uh, high-end simulators, like fighter simulators, this is the company for you. They did a lot of that stuff. I was right. surprised how many uh, uh, like uh, graphical adventure games they did. They did more than I would have remembered, uh, Brent. Uh, they also did games like, uh, they were, I couldn't believe this one, they were uh, in bed with Jeff Crammed on the old Stunt Car Racer, one of our favorites. Uh, they did Airborne Ranger was another one they were they were involved in. That, that's one you used to play, in that Airborne Ranger? I, uh, uh, <laughs> no, you didn't play that one either? So really, no, you've, never not, played, no. you've never played any of their games, have you? This is the first oh. game you've ever played for Microprose. <laughs> I played a ton of roller coaster, uh, roller coaster tycoon back in the day. Now, uh, one of our chatters, Frodo, mentions they were behind the Formula One Grand Prix, which yes, and there was, and, and it, they had a couple sequels of that one. Uh, they did uh, the Impossible Mission twenty twenty five, which I didn't like, but that was one of theirs. Uh, uh, they, again, they did a lot of crazy uh, flight stuff, and they also what I also have played I didn't like Red Storm Rising was a based on, I believe based on a Clancy novel, so. 
they they've had a lot a, a, a lot of uh, history come and go through them. Now they went away for the longest time, uh, Brent. Uh, they were uh, they were gone until they closed the doors in 2003, and was the brand has came back a few times, but they were they were actually revived again last year. Uh, uh, they were purchased and revived by a fellow, uh, and and they're I guess they're back in action. And I saw the net was full when I looked them up. There was all sorts of references, the new stuff they're working on. So I guess there are going to be new MicroPress games, uh, if not out now, coming out soon. So that should be interesting. Mm. I don't know, I don't know what uh, uh, what they've got aside from the name of MicroPress, but they may have something. Who knows? So, well, I'm sure they have their back catalog. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I'm I... talking about new stuff. We all played the old stuff. So we want new stuff, man. So, with that in mind, we were a, we were tasked to pick a couple games uh, in the uh, MicroProse uh, catalog. We picked two vastly different games, didn't we, Brent? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we're going to let you start to dance this week, Brent. Now, I have to say... Uh, I had never ever heard of your game ever. So, I haven't either. So I don't know where you. How did you come up with this one? Well, it, it might have been a little bit of a, a, a mind manipulation by uh, our good friend Frodo NL, who mentioned it in chat last week, but I didn't see it. So I went through, uh, got me a big old list of Mucker Pros games. And I wanted to find something that they developed and something that they published. You know, if I could get both, yep. that'd be a perfect me package. Me too, me too. And then I was like, you know what? Now I'm going to see if I can find a Sid Meier game that they developed and published. And when you narrow it down that much, you that list starts getting smaller and smaller. And I saw this, I was like, man, I don't remember anything from them from this, you know, this far back. And when I looked at the game, I was like, all right, this is what I'm picking. It was such an obvious choice. And that's why I went with Floyd of the Jungle. <laughs> the title does not inspire confidence. <laughs> well, this has a pretty interesting story behind it. And, of course, the, developed and published by Microprose. Pros. <clears throat> this was actually designed by Sid the Man Meyer himself. Uh, this was after he was coming off of Hellcat Ace. And uh, he's reported insane back in 83 when this actually came out uh, that he had just finished Hellcat Ace and he was looking for ideas for new games, you know, kind of going through that mental process. And he said uh, there was a movie on television and it was one of it was one of the Tarzan movies. And uh, he was like, hmm, you know, I, my my buddy and co-worker Bo Derrick was doing some animation uh, and had some tools for that. And he kind of looked at the screen and he looked at uh, the animations that this guy was doing and he kind of put the two together. And that's how we got Floyd of the Jungle, a Tarzan-themed, single-screen, multiplayer, up to four players, uh, racer game. And what I mean by racer game is you and up to four players or control uh, computer-controlled players. Uh, if you're playing just by yourself, it throws two computer-controlled players in there with you. And you have to race from the bottom of the screen up to save your lady, uh, Janice, which is located somewhere at the top of the screen. And this is done by uh, going up and down vines, uh, avoiding uh, pygmies, uh, collecting uh, uh, birds along the way. You're saving birds for some reason. Of course, you've got to dodge, you know, alligators and uh, 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 pumas or some other cat-like creature. And it's all about who can get, who can collect the most stuff or punch the most pygmies because uh, that's uh, something uh, that you could do in the game. I didn't even try that. Uh, yeah, well, we'll go into that in a, when we're going over gameplay. Um, who can do all the most of this stuff, and the level actually ends when someone saves Janice. Um, so it's all about you want to do the extra stuff because the extra point stuff gives you points. Like if you pick up a bird, you get a point. 
If you punch a pygmy, you get two points. And if you reach Janet, uh, Janice first, you get four points. And the game continuously goes through these screens. Anytime someone reaches Janice, it will take you to a new screen. And you play for 99 time units, which they're certainly longer than seconds, but they're not as long as minutes. Ti so the game units. can end. That's yeah, yeah, time units. That's what they're called in video games. Oh, okay. Uh, so the game can actually end mid-screen, and then it goes and shows everyone's final totals, and whoever has the most points wins. So even if you don't get to Janice first on a screen, or several screens, because usually you can get through, uh, you know, somewhere between four and six screens uh, during a play session, you know, just because you don't reach Janice doesn't mean you're going to lose. If you can do enough other extra stuff, because usually the extra stuff is slightly out of the way, you know, takes you off the main path. As long as you can do that other stuff, if someone's just continuously focusing on getting Janice every time, uh, you, you're not necessarily going to lose. There's still a chance you're going to win. And if you die, if you, uh, the pygmies will throw spears, uh, or of course, if you get, uh, you jump onto a snake, or if you get eaten by an alligator, uh, all those things kill you, but you're not out for the round, you just reappear at the start. So it's always a race, and you're always going, and you're going to die. Uh, it, it's just, yeah. you're never going to get through a level unscathed every time. Beautiful concept. Especially for 1982, 1983 when this was released. Uh, this came out in, in 82 on the Atari 8-bit, and it came out on, in 83 for uh, the C64. Games like this, draw, well, they were never popular in the 80s that I'm aware of, because I certainly didn't play them. But they, had, they gained popularity uh, in the early 2010s, and have maintained some popularity, but not. it's definitely not large enough to even call, be called its own genre. Uh, but this speed platforming aspect concept, I always thought was born much, much later. I never knew about this game. And it does so well at making things tense without, you know, you're, you're, you're running, you're jumping, you're doing all this stuff and you want to be first, and you're clawing and trying to get ahead of people, which makes the game tense, but when you die, that tension's released, and you, you kind of refocus, and it puts you back at the beginning of the screen, and you just do it all again. If you had one or two or three buddies, and this was your game, you could probably play this game for hours. Hours, and never get bored of it. Uh, you know, because you've got that competitive nature of real people. Playing against the computer continuously uh, does draw the fun value down some. That tension's still there, but the actual, uh, you know, you don't get a brag when you win or when you get something. That you beat someone for collecting the bird, and they were all just so close. Um, you don't get that, you know, to brag about that, which is part of the fun of these type of games, which is probably why this game reviewed so bad. Uh, in 84, uh, people were killing it, you know. People were saying, that, you know, this, doesn't, this game doesn't have any great moments. It doesn't have any good moments. It's no fun. There's nothing here. Poorly executed. They said, uh, you know, the most positive thing that reviewers said was like, you know, if you like Donkey Kong, this is kind of okay. And those people are missing the point. This isn't Donkey Kong. Yes, it's a single-screen game. Yes, the graphics are um, minimalized uh, and due to the hardware limitations, I'm sure. But the animations are smooth. Things look like what they're supposed to look like. You play as a stick man. But the stick man, he runs and he jumps and he climbs, and you can tell what he's doing the entire time. Uh, so I really think the reviewers couldn't understand what made this game fun. Uh, because they all talk about how it's 
just another platform game. It's not just another platform game. It's a racing game. Uh, it's very frustrating to go back and read old reviews like this. And I guess uh, video games have evolved uh, to become so much more than their than what's always on the screen. You know, there's different things that make different games fun. And when you go back and you read these old reviews of people who just don't get it, it's very strange. What did you think about this game, Aaron? You know, of course, I'd, I'd never heard of this one, uh, ever. And so when I booted it up and I saw what it was, and I played uh, the, uh, I played the, this, we're looking at the Atari version, I played the C64 version, um, which they look very similar. Uh, they do, yeah. When I, when I started playing this, I was like, what? I didn't know what, I have no idea what I was doing. And I just saw other guys take off. And I was like, it's a race. And so once I got that, uh, I was like, okay, that's that's different. And then I and if, after that, you've got a, it's a platformer. It's also uh, with elements of like a, of like Frogger uh, in there, but it's not a Frogger clone. And it's funny yeah. how many games get compared to Donkey Kong. That always drives me bananas. Everything is a Donkey Kong. This has got this has zero to do with Donkey Kong, except for the fact that you jump. And you're a guy. That's it. Everything else. Yeah. This is much more like a Frogger clone, but it's not even that. It's it's yeah. it, this is its not own game. I'm so stunned to hear that the reviewers can this because I thought this was one of the more brilliant games we played recently. Yes. I really like this game a lot. The fact that you can play multi, I, I I had a feeling because I didn't try to play multiplayer because I just had me, but I had a feeling with since you could you were racing guys that you could play multiple people in this, which is awesome, and. The the fact that 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 it's a race that makes it made it a lot more fun for me uh, when yeah. you oh yeah well that's because the, the computer drives you forward and the computer makes mistakes which I yes. also like I mean and like when like you'll get the screens where you all die a, a do, you know dozens I don't know how many men you've got you got a lot unlimited uh, well, no, it's all time based oh, but uh, uh, it's it's awesome to see them get way ahead and right before they get to the end they die. You're like, I've still got a chance. So not only are you watching yourself, but you're watching your opponents run up the course, you know. <laughs> so, which makes that, that's more, I like that aspect of it. Uh, the controls are, are fine. The uh, the uh, a, the animations and stuff are perfectly serviceable. I mean, you've got to understand what you're, what you're looking at here. Uh, for example, the screen we're looking at here, you've got like, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, six layers of, of gameplay, six different levels. I th I thought this was super clever. I'll be honest with you, uh, and uh, the fact that it was, I didn't know who made it either. I didn't look into it that far, but that that explains why it's not just some kind of mundane crap. I mean, this is a this is a very clever game uh, that, yes. and one would wonder why this sort of uh, uh, play element hasn't been used more. You know, the multiple people on the screen running around like that, which that that, would, that makes it a lot of fun. Uh, it's uh, the at least a C64 version and this version too. It looks like they're both. In if I may channel my inner boat, they're both very brown. So if you've got a problem with that, like boat does, I'm sure that's the, one of the things boat would mention how brown it is. But in all honesty, uh, this game uh, was as much fun as I've had playing a game here in, a, in, in quite a while. I mean, I, I'd put this game. Up in that edge, up the uh, upper echelon of your found games, Brent. You lucked into another one because I th <laughs> th there's a lot of fun to be had here, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, I, I can't figure out why this would have gotten canned back in the day. I mean, it, to me, it seems like a winner. Well, like I said, I think that uh, they just didn't understand. They didn't understand why this was fun, which is, you know, that happens. That does happen. Um, Another thing about this that is kind of weird uh, are some of the control choices, uh, at least on the C64 version. To punch, you have to hold the jump button. See, I never punched one time. I didn't even know that was an yeah. option. So, to punch, you have to hold the jump button. And to hold, to press, when you press the jump button, you jump. Right. So, you have to jump towards the pygmy while holding and and size it up correctly, land right in front of them, keep holding the chump button, and then you will punch him. And when you punch him, he even has a little, like, I got knocked out falling animation. It's really, it's pretty good. 
Um, so they added some little elements of like almost like kangaroo to it. Is what you're saying with a little, with with your book. I, I I never punched one time, but that was an option. But I kind of like the idea that you go over and knock those little suckers out. That's that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, and, and they're two points. So if you knock out two of those, that's equal to getting to Janice first. That, uh, because it's hard to do. They throw spear, uh, spears randomly. So it's a gamble if you want to get that close to them and jump and land right in front of them to punch. Um, another thing that was kind of odd is the game has levels, like you said before, and if you hold down on the joystick and press jump, <coughs> excuse me, he will actually go down a level. And there are aspects where this is important because some things uh, you're kind of running in between platforms, uh, sort of very like the the, the uh, road section of Frogger, where only the things on your line affect you. So... You know, if an alligator is on line two and you're on line one, the alligator on line two can't hurt you. So you can use the down and jump to kind of move between those platforms. However, it also glitches the game. Uh, you can actually stand on the bottom level and hold down and, and hit jump, and your guy will jump down. and he'll, You can jump all the way off the screen like that. I, I um, never did that. Yeah, so the game's not without bugs. However, uh, I think everything is good enough. Uh, and nor sometimes being good enough isn't good enough. But for this game where the fun is not in the graphics and it's not in the sound, because the music and sound on this, not great. No, uh, no. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's passable at the very best. This, you want to you just turn on Welcome to the Jungle, blast it through your stereo speakers and you know and, and just put it on repeat that that's how you should that's, play this game. that's one thing i thought they missed the boat on because the the c60 the atari and especially the c64 both have really good sound and this yeah. game i wouldn't say had good sound it, no, uh, no. i think they uh i just don't don't think they bothered to be completely honest I with you and the, i think they could have done some I, really good stuff in this jungle motif you know i think they could have come up with something really good and on the C64 yeah, um, in particular, that's that's a sin when you don't take advantage of the uh, of the nature of that of that aspect there with the sound, because then you could because it is that's one of the and the graphics I think are fine. It's the, really the sound is the biggest Achilles heel. I, I agree with you. I mean, you can get frustrated if you die over and over, but I mean that's just the nature of the game. You know, it uh, it, it can also be frustrating when the computer leaves you in the dust. But again, that's the nature of the game too, and. It makes you press right. harder, so I don't. I can't fault it for those. I can't even fault it for the colors, because I mean the colors. While it, there's not a lot of super bright colors, it, this it simulates well, what the, you would expect to see in a jungle environment pretty well. I the, think the C64 has better has better graphics, better colors. They're, um, they're still they're still brown. Trust me. I, uh, now, thanks to boat, I always look at that every time. Another aspect of this game, right? Because if you're playing with your buddies and your buddy owns the game and plays it every day and is awesome at it. And you come in and you want to, you want to play too, but you know you're just going to get smoked. This actually has handicaps, uh, and it does it thematically. So when you start the game and you're choosing all your options, you know you can set how hard, your, how difficult the computer is, and you can even set the computer to hard in single player and still handicap yourself. And it handicaps you by saying you have either one bad leg or two bad legs. <laughs> and when you have, you know, when you're handicapped, your jump isn't as long. It, it doesn't go as far. And uh, he's just slightly slower. So it, even back then, they were thinking about that kind of thing because they knew it would be important. Uh, so good on them. Good on them. I really enjoyed this game. Yeah. Now, Aaron, if you want to pick up a copy of Floyd <clears throat> of the Jungle, yeah. uh, you can run right off to your eBay and slap down three hundred dollars. Yeah, I had a feeling it was going to be <laughs> to uh, get a written on no cover uh, Atari four hundred eight hundred cassette version. Uh, I don't think this game is. Four hundred, or I don't think this game is three hundred dollars good. However, if you 
uh, you need to learn how to use an emulator. Uh, I recommend playing it on the C64, load up Vice. Uh, you'll have it running in, you know, 10 minutes. Super easy to do. Uh, you can even play this online, although I didn't have the best of luck with that. That's, play this game. I played it. I played it at archive.org. That's where I played it. Yeah. yeah. Play this game. It's worth playing. It's worth uh, taking a look at just to respect that this concept and this style of a game was in the mind of Sid Meier's, you know, back in the 80s. And I think it is an incredibly impressive feat, uh, both from an animation standpoint, because the animation on the running and the jumping and stuff like that is very good. Uh, and just from a design standpoint, I think I wish there were more levels, uh, but I think the levels that we did get are pretty well thought out and fun to do. You owe it yourself to go out and emulate this. I, I agree. I think this is one that you need to go out of your way to uh, have a look at. Uh, we did get a, a just at the eleventh hour. Uh, we did get a, a a Discord review from Frodo and L, who's uh, with us in the chat room today. Uh, Frodo writes, "It would be easy to dismiss this game as a too simple platform game with somewhat irritating controls. Jump to get to the ladder gets a tad irritating after a while, but that would not be completely fair. Single player is not too much fun, although in version two at least you have computer opponents." But multiplayer up to four in the Atari version, it looks to be a lot of fun with a group of friends. Having some beers beforehand might help, though. Seven out of ten. I agree. I agree with you on that. I, th I think this would be a blast to play with your buddies uh, and, and on the big screen, uh, such, <laughs> such as it would look. I think you, I think you picked a real winner there, Brent. i got to give you credit on that one. So, Well, with, with that, Aaron, yeah. what did you bring to the table? So listen, uh, Brentster. It's been said that occasionally I will uh, phone it in. I will. I will try to dodge uh, some of these t tougher games. I mean, I, I've had, in my defense, I got a, I got a loaded schedule up until recently. This week I had a little time, and I wanted to give the people their money's worth, and so <clears throat> I wanted to pick one of Microprose's offerings that was real uh, a, a deep, a deep dive. Now. Uh, I could have chose one of their uh, brilliant flight sims, but I wanted to choose a game that I remembered hearing about back in the day and always piqued my interest, and I'll, which I'll get into why momentarily. So I went ahead, Brent, and, play, and picked Blood Net. Blood yes. Net. Uh, what a game this is. Uh, a unique take on multiple genres here. So let's flash back before we get too deep into this game, okay? This game uh, was released, and I played the DOS and Amiga version. I looked at both of them, but mostly I played this on DOS. Uh, this game was released in 93 on DOS, 94 on the Amiga. Uh, if you look back around that time, in 19... And, uh, you know, I'm an old role player, Brent, as you are. Uh, in 89, a game was released by FASA called uh, Shadowrun, the role-playing game. And Shadowrun was this uh, game... That employed a lot of. Uh, it, it basically combined the areas of uh, uh, monsters and elves and and that sort of high fantasy with uh, technology, futurism, uh, William Gibson style cyberpunk stuff. And what you got was a real interesting mix uh, of a game. Uh, you would be in a party of uh, uh, enhanced, like uh, cybered up orcs. You would have uh, uh, mages and wizards that are that were partially uh, cyberpunked up, and you would go on runs for megacorps because megacorporations ran the whole world at this point. It was a dark future, you know. And this is a fun game. We played this quite a bit. Uh, and uh, one of the aspects of the game would be decking, and, and decking, which of course uh, it, uh, I believe that whole the whole concept of that stuff all came from the old Neuromancer. Uh, book, and I'm sure other people before it had some similar things, but I believe the lingo, a lot of the lingo came from Neuromancer, and sure. you know, jacking in, and all this job. And so, uh, that stuff was all pretty fresh back in those days. Let's fast forward to 92, I believe it was, uh, which was when 
uh, White Wolf jumped on the role-playing scene with a game called Vampire the Masquerade. You remember that one, Brent? Uh, we played a lot of Vampire back in the day. And uh, yes. this is another game that sort of took took the role-playing world by storm uh, because they made uh, they took an, a crack at vampire society, uh, what that would be like. What it would be like, I mean, the vampires are effectively like wrestlers. They're doing kayfabe. It's called the masquerade. They don't tell, you just don't go around telling people you're a vampire because you're protecting this intricate system, this political system that the vampires have built up. Uh, and it was real intriguing with, with different types of vampires who were, not only were they just, they weren't the kind of vampires that went around like Dracula. These vampires uh, were heads of industry. Uh, they pulled the strings from behind. They were, uh, they were affecting the world uh, and the path that the world was taking behind the scenes. A lot of political intrigue. A fascinating game. And White, White Wolf went on to make uh, more games in that world of darkness. Werewolf and uh, a bunch of other ones. But Vampire was the was the uh, the big money maker uh, for those guys. So <clears throat> this game coming out in 93 was hot on the heels of these two big role-playing uh, juggernauts. And trust me when I tell you that these things revived effectively what was a, a dormant role-playing scene. The D&D thing was sort of at a, at a lull at this point. And so uh, uh, White Wolf came along and, and uh, Fossa came along and Roy really, really shook it up with these two games. Great games. Uh, which I still will I'll play these anytime they get a chance. Uh, so when this game was put together, I have no doubt that these guys were influenced heavily by these two role-playing giants. Uh, because the concept of this game is so bizarre or, and goofy that you could only... Uh, it, I have no doubt that they were reading up on this stuff when they put it together. So, flash forward to Manhattan 2094, Brent. You know it's going to be a scene there. And, uh, <laughs> That's a happening. It's a... Uh, guess what? New York's become this giant, dark, desperate place that is uh, you know, headed up by a, a multiple megacorps including the big one trans tech trans tech is the is a real sort of evil well let's not say evil let's say self-important uh overarching uh, t uh corporation that there does a lot of stuff in the city and of course it's it's 2094 so you've got to have a cyberspace element to this and so uh in the in the game decking and moving around in cyberspace uh is a big deal it's a part of the yes. game so, <clears throat> the game starts off quite goofily, I'll have to say. Uh, you, as, <laughs> yeah. as you watch Ransom Stark, which I get a name that was so 90s cool that I remember ripping it off for what, and using the name in, a, in one of my role-playing games. I don't remember who, what, which character I used, but I, know, I, I knew the name, and I didn't even remember it until I read, I read it here. I was like, oh, I've ripped that name off in the past. This game is rife with names you can rip off for role-playing games. I mean, there's tons of them in here. I kept looking at these. I was like, i got to take some notes on all these names. I'm going to rip off all these things. So, <laughs> anyway, Ransom Stark is a sort of a... He, he's an ex-tech uh, giant guy that basically, from what I can read, he got his he got sort of used up by the corpse and almost died. And uh, a, a lady saved him by basically putting these neural inhibitors in his head uh, to to keep to save his life, and he owes her, and he at that point went into the shadier realm of de like freelance decking, freelance investigation. So think think detective, uh, uh, you know, hard boiled detective guy. Oh, by the way, he's neurally enhanced and goes into cyberspace, that sort of thing. And he gets a job. It seems like an easy job to do some work for a lady. The funny thing is, at the beginning of this game, because at the beginning you just watch, this you're in a bar, and this lady comes up in a, in a full cape. I mean, like a Dracula cape. Yeah. And so, <laughs> that, that right away, I was like, what the hell? And she's like, hi, I'm such and such Van Helsing. I was like, what? I was like, subtlety, not not at play here. And so, once you do the job, she wants you to come to her, her apartment at 666 something street i mean so there was no subtlety here at all so you go there and you're like okay i want my money she's like oh you're gonna get what you got coming and of course your guy an idiot he's like yeah that's what i want give me what i got coming to me just like an old bugs bunny cartoon so they give it to him when her dad comes out 
who I, and who also in full cape, and 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 says, "Yeah, I'm a vampire. I'm gonna bite you." And he does bite you. And now the funny thing is, when you wake up, the neural inhibitors in your head have have made it so the full vampirism hasn't taken you over, so you can still because. And and the guy that bitch is like, yep, now you work for me. I, you can I control you. You're one of my men. And your guy's like, screw you. And he punches the vampire in the face, and it runs out the door. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the opening. And I thought to myself, oh boy, I'm in it now with this one. And in it I was. And something you need to mention: yeah. the opening is like 15 yeah. minutes long. The opening it it takes fully a while. voice act. Well, that's depending on which version you play. Okay, so as far as I could tell, there were three versions of this. There was version one that had no voice acting. Version two... Don't play that. <laughs> well, I, I did play that one, actually. Version two, which I think was a CD release, had a full voice acting. And the, and the Amiga version didn't have voice acting either. So I, I went with the non-voice acting cause I, I, so I could hear them in my head uh, reading the dialogue. <clears throat> but I did watch some guys play the voice acting one. It, it seemed okay. It was over-the-top baloney, as you would expect. So one thing... This game, you could tell right away that whoever put this together was really riding on social trends and stuff. Because if you, even if you look at the box cover, I wanted to mention this before I forgot. It looks like someone cybered up and then graffitoed David Bowie's face. It's a, it's a <laughs> it looks just like David Bowie as a, as, a, as, a, as a, some kind of cyber vampire. So you knew right away you were in for it. So what is this game? Well, as Ransom Stark. You're slowly becoming a vampire, and so you need to go and and the the overarching plot is you need to go and rescue your friend, who can save you. She's the one that put the cyber the neural and hand uh, you know the thing in your head, uh, and you need to go to her. And she's a good friend. That's the overarching plot of the game, but it's not that simple because one thing you learn is the the world of blood in it has a has a lot going on. Uh, the way the interface works in this is when you move your mouse to the top of the screen, you have a pull-down menu, uh, with and it gives you it presents you with various uh, uh, various options, including examining stuff, combat, uh, surfing the net, changing locations. Uh, you've also got an inventory screen, and before you even start the game, once you watch the entrance, uh, once you watch that intro video, you can choose how you want your character to be made. Now, there's a quick way. But that's for suckers. You got to play the long way, and this is that classic uh, moral question uh, angle to to make your character. It asks you all these questions, and that are morality based, and how you answer changes your character statistics. I love that. I've got no idea how this affected my character, but I, you know, I I thought that was kind of neat, a neat angle. Uh, I, I, and Ultima, I think, was the first game uh, that I remember hearing that did that, and uh, I, I thought that was cool. So you make you, you make your character up that way, or you can just have the computer just roll them up like that, and that which is less fun. And you can sort of pick what your guy looks like, but there's not like a ton of choices, and you can't yeah just you, pick your uh, avatar image right for conversation. And you can't be anyone but Ransom Stark. That's it, because that's which that right. makes sense. So. You're, when you want, when you're in a scenario like in the very first scene, you're in a destroyed lab of your friend, and you want to pick stuff up. This system took me a while to figure out. It's so goofy. Uh, it, it's it. You can actually drag and drop items onto your guy, but the way you pick them up is weird. One click is different than two clicks. You can right click on stuff. It's real. It was not the most streamlined system I ever I've ever seen. It was seen. not intuitive. Uh, the the if you go to the inventory screen. It's real funky. Like, for example, I wanted to put memory in my deck. So you have to go to the inventory screen, pick the memory off, pick, hit the click on the memory, and your mouse will hold it as you cycle through to get to the uh, to get to the screen you need to, where the deck's at. Then you can do the memory swap. And then when you take the old memory out, you've got to put it back in your inventory. It's it's exhausting. Maybe there was a different way to do it, but I couldn't find one. And all the other people I read about had similar issues with the kind of goofy inventory selections and, and just picking stuff up, which is weird. Now, after a while, you get used to it. Something else that you'll notice is that your guy walks around like an idiot. Uh, it's, it, it, the, the pathing, the way your guys move, the graphics in this, I would not, I would call them subpar, uh, Brent. The, uh, uh, the backgrounds are 
it's sort of like the, the aspect of it is 3D, but you it's a 2D game. So your guy walks in front of stuff. It's just real strange and awkward and slow. It was pretty much the same on both machines. I thought maybe the Amiga would be crisper since it came out later, but it really was pretty much about the same uh, when, it, when it comes to that. This game uh, is one of these games where you need a pad of paper. All right. The first thing I, that I did, your guy has this little personal, like, met, like basically a reminder that he keeps on him. And inside of this, he's written down a bunch of stuff he needs to do. And so you can look at it and get clues as to what you need to do uh, and where you need to go. Now, this thing's always with you, and you, you can even go back and rewind dialogue. There's, there's, that's one of the features in the, in, the, in, the, in the UI. You can go back and kind of look at what you'd said. So they tried to help you out a little bit, but you're going to need to take notes. Just so you'll know who wants what, where they are, you know, how to get there. When you go, when you leave the original scene, the world, one thing about this game is that the world is completely opened up, you know. So you don't really have to earn the ability to go places. I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere, right? You know, tons of places right at the beginning of the game. And at each of these places, when you go, when you go to like an overworld screen in New York, There'll be highlights on the screen you can click on. It scrolls up, so like two or three screens. So, I mean, there's a lot of places you can go. And then when you go there, you're presented with a static screen with some people walking around on it, like a bar or a street corner or whatever. And then that's where you'll start doing your dialogue and your that and your bartering and whatnot. So, effectively, when you pick a new uh, level, it's not like uh, there's no... This isn't an action game. There's no like walking from part to part. You just are there, and there's and you're, it's a static screen, so it's straight up uh, uh, graphical adventure. There's no action at all, except which I'll get to. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> so there are two. There are two real kind of goofy aspects of this game. It's pretty goofy anyway, but they they were like, you know, we can make this goofier, and so the first goofy thing is combat. Combat it can be as combat's a lot like making your character. You can you can make it real simple, or you can make it not simple, and either way, you're probably going to get killed. Unfortunately, combat is one of the goofier things I've ever seen. So when you start a combat, if you take the advanced combat, you first thing you do is place your guys. You will end up getting a party of guys in this, and so you'll place them, and then you will and then you'll decide what each guy does to the enemy. So keep in mind, you've got let's say you've got a party of four guys. You've got to go through and make sure all their inventories are up to spec. Make sure all their weapons are mounted. The whole nine. You're responsible for all this stuff. Then you'll pick... Not only will you pick who they shoot at, you'll also pick what part of the body they're aiming at. It's really... It's that you're like, man, this sounds real intense. Well, when the deal goes down, it's... It actually, once you program everything in, it goes pretty quick. It's just weird looking. It's it, it, it's an unyieldy and... and Slow. It's it's the combat was uh, is uh, universally panned. I mean, this combat system was bizarre. What did you think of the combat in this, Brent? Well, I think I think you can't just jump in at the combat. I think you got to roll. I, I to to really get my view on this game, you got to roll back a few steps. Okay, go ahead, give me some here, right in the middle. If you like the concept of a vampire gothic cyberpunk game that is deep in lore although much of it cheesy lore i think this game is probably right up your alley i this is not a good game for the the, our show because even if i played this from the second you picked it until right before the show quit my job didn't sleep i don't know that i would get through this because it is so daunting everything is so you know i i played one with voice acting so all the voice dialogue plays out and the the voice acting is decent some characters obviously better than others um but it's everyone has you know emotion in their voice and they they say their lines with pauses and they're not just saying like one or two sentences worth of dialogue. No. This is a book of dialogue. And it, it just goes, some people just go on and on and on. 
like did you did you assemble a team? Oh yeah, you got to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Assembling a team, if you actually talk to to people to hear their story and to hear their motivation, just starting the game and assembling a team, you're in for two hours. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're in for two hours and you've accomplished nothing. And that's and, so, and, and that's assuming you already know the interface and stuff because that takes a while <laughs> to get that. Yes, <clears throat> and games like this, although the story is is there, the concept is there, even the visuals because it's it's CGI backgrounds uh, with pixel art walking on them. So it's it's okay. It's okay. Uh, it gets the job done. It's not great. I didn't think it was that good. It, it's okay. Uh, for the year that this came out, 93, it's okay. And also for the scope of the game. Uh, but the uh, diving in, you can't play this in a couple hours. No. <laughs> no. <clears throat> no. Because there's so much. And you can tweak so much. You can tweak all of your equipment, who has what, uh, your stats. There are like... 30 or 25 different stats that can you can put yeah. points into. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's so big and deep that I don't feel like I can properly review the oh, game. My. I knew this was coming. You got cried, because, you got scared, you cried, you left, right? No. <laughs> it, you, you can play this game. How long did you play this game? Oh, God. <laughs> I played it. I played my initial play was like four hours just to get my feet wet. And then I would I played a, a hour or two when I got a spare time. So I probably I probably I'm sad to say this I probably stunk about eight or nine hours into this thing. It was all said and done. Okay, I didn't do nearly that much. Well, I mean, I, had, I knew uh, I had to go. I knew it was going to be a lot. That's why I picked it this week. I, I uh, uh, to answer your combat the question about the combat, it, it's just like the rest of the game. It's daunting. It's goofy. Uh, you 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 do all this. I mean, it's it's. I don't want to say it's like XCOM, but it's sort of like XCOM. I don't... You set everything up, and then it kind of does. Um, yeah, I don't and, think it's and, like XCOM at and all. And there's definitely sometimes when you're like, yeah, that guy's going to die. And there's you just set and he dies. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, a load of save. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you save a lot in this one. Oh, yes. Uh, too big. For me, for the interface, it's too big. Uh, if this had a modern revival um, where they streamlined a lot of things, uh, I, I could really get into this. Because although the vampire cyberpunk mesh I don't think is necessary, I think both of those are strong enough to stand up on their own. Um, having a game where they're meshed together, I find interesting, but I'm not willing to invest the time that Bloodnet wants me to invest. So if the concept sounds good to you, if you uh, want to really throw yourself into this world, I think it's good enough. If you're willing to put up with all the quirks, I think it's good enough to do it. Um, but in my eyes, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. You can buy this game on Steam yeah. or good old games for like six bucks. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I I'm gonna. This game's funny, and I and I'll, I'll explain. Why. Get back to the combat though. This combat is complicated and and goofy. I, it I didn't is. like it. It's over the top. That was a mistake. Like everything and, else. And we've also got to talk about speaking of complicated and goofy. Let's talk about going into cyberspace in this. Uh, oh, the rep yeah. The representation of the representation of cyberspace in this is goofy. It's a guy. It's it's just real weird. It's crap it's floating around. Man. It is. I mean, you know, I read a few comparisons to Lawnmower Man. I I hadn't seen that movie for a long time. Yeah, uh, but what it it's is. it's it reminds me of like someone. I mean, let you got to think this was uh, 90, 93, so people were not one hundred percent sure what the what a cyberspace would look like. You know, and so three-dimensional objects floating around and 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 uh, grid patterns and stuff. That was sort of what people thought it was going to look like. A lot of floating and and cyberspace. In this is is critical to the game yeah. because that's a lot of what you're doing is involving going in there. A lot of the game was uh, upgrading your your soul box. 
your to uh, and your deck to get in better equipped, get better uh, countermeasures to get deal with ice. Uh, there are, you meet people in the in the uh, cyberspace. You meet. Uh, you come across uh, uh, states that can capture you. If you get captured, you can lose your. They can they can uh, take your memory away. They can do worse. Uh, it's real. It's and it's real strange. That was I had even more trouble understanding how that worked than I did. But I mean, in essence, cyberspace is a lot like uh, moving around in the real world. It's just much goofier looking. It's just still it's sort of the same. You're going from screen to screen, but it's just it's really bizarrely rendered. Once you re- realize that. It makes it a little bit easier, but it's real dangerous. I mean, you can get killed real easy or get messed up uh, real easy in cyberspace. So it's and so if you don't know what you're doing, that it's funny. As much as I moved around this game, I didn't go into cyberspace all that much just because it was so bizarre uh, and 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 hard to understand. Let's face facts on on something though. When you've got a game like this, um, you've got uh, when you've got these multiple genres coming together, what you come up, you, you it's tough to pull off. And I think you could have pulled off a vampire cyberpunk thriller, but they didn't uh, because the, the, I don't think they did a very good job of writing the game. Uh, I mean, I can get past the technological issues or, or even the stupid combat or the graphics, but the dialogue ranges from like cringeworthy to okay. I don't think it ever gets great. The best parts of this game are the most boring parts, unfortunately, which is uh, how Ransom. Uh, gets and interacts with people. One of the things that you could tell Ransom was sort of a big deal. He's got a lot of friends. Uh, this game is set up like uh, where you go on quests. Uh, instead of going to go get, uh, 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 you know, four of something or whatever, they want you to get them a, a certain ice countermeasure or they want a certain deck element or they want something like that. And so that's what you're after. You have to write down your notes and you have to go try to find where that would, you know, where that would be. There, there's a, uh, um, there's, there's unique characters in this. I mean, everyone in this is, it's, this world's bleak, you know. So it's kind of a dark, bleak world. There's drugs in this. You're buying and selling of drugs, giving drugs. Uh, there, the another element of this game that makes it real goofy is your element that since you're a vampire, you have to also keep uh, uh, occasionally feeding, and which means you're just killing people, and you can do. I don't know. Did you try to bite anybody, Brent, when you were playing? You can, you can bite anybody. You know, I've read some of the things that can be done uh, in this game that are just crazy that I never even thought about doing. I mean, you can do you can basically do anything you want. So I'll give them props and credit for the open atmosphere that they've created. Uh, and I like the idea that they took some of this uh, early '90s cyberpunk and vampire stuff and sort of rolled it in one big wad. You know, because I can appreciate because I lived through it. But this is more like playing a game. This is like playing a game that's based on a like a medium budget mystery science theater movie. That's what it reminded me of. Just a lot of cheesiness, like you said. And I didn't even play the voice acting one, so I'm sure that get double cheesy. But <laughs> it was a che- it's a cheesy, wacky game. All that said, would I recommend it? <sighs> <laughs> It's a tough call. If you're into this stuff, like, am I going to go back and finish it? No, no. And part of the reason is I don't like the combat. I don't like the, uh, I don't like the cyber Inventory, side of it. Uh, the but, but I do like the characters. Are I do think are interesting. I could de- definitely see lifting a lot of this for role playing stuff. I will say that I saw a lot of stuff in here that I thought was intriguing. Some of the plots were pretty good too. Um, this thing, uh, it it the reviews were sort of. Midland, let's say that. Um, a lot of the reviews I found were like from Germany or France. I don't know. I don't know how why this didn't get reviewed so much here. Uh, Generation Four gave this an an eighty two out of a hundred. Playtime gave it a seventy six. PC Zone gave it a seventy five. These are out of a hundred. PC Games uh, seventy five out of a hundred. Uh, so you can see this is in that C minus D plus area of gaming. Oh no, no, that's no, that's not true at all. I think that I think those reviews are very good and fair. I'm not saying no, I'm I'm just saying that's where it falls. I'm not saying the reviews aren't right. I'm just and I, I would sort of agree. I would say this was this is this game is not average in itself, but the execution of the game is is I would say average. It does some stuff okay. It does some stuff horribly horribly wrong. Uh we did get one uh review on Discord, again for our buddy Frodo, 
NL who writes, Not quite sure what to think of this one. Decent enough graphics and atmosphere, but the game is just confusing. After playing it for a while, I decided to look at a playthrough video, and I cannot help but find it boring. This is clearly not my game, and I can't put a score to it. So there you go. He, he he declined. He declined to even rate this one. I think that's fair. Yeah, because I have a feeling that there's probably some people out there uh, that are putting on their trench coats every morning that love this game. Yeah, I, I you know uh, I love and, and I, you know what I'm not going to fault them for it. Yeah, I love William Gibson. You know that I love Shadowrun and I love Vampire. So I was intrigued by this possibility of this, as goofy as it is. You know, one of the things you could have done to this that I think would have made it a better game is just get rid of the whole vampire element and change the plot and stuff. I think you'd have been better served just to uh, stick it to one of the genres. I think they got a little too greedy, frankly. I think I would have stuck with just a cybernet, cybernetic thriller as opposed to doing the vampire angle because it just I think that's too much. And it does. I mean, I think it limits the appeal of the game. That's I mean the people that are into vampires and want to see them in a cybernetic thriller. There can't be a ton of people out there outside of your mystery science theater crowd. But still, I'm one of those people. Uh, I looked this up on eBay. Uh, you can get this one complete in a box. Uh, in, for uh, I saw one in Germany go for seventy bucks. You can get the CD version of this in the UK for. Uh, I saw them go for twenty three and twenty seven bucks, but I haven't seen any that sold recently. So this is one of those games, Brent. That is. Uh, uh, you're, that you're not seeing that much out there in the in the in the real world anymore. But I and a absolutely, if you want to play this game, don't go eBay it. Just buy it on Steam or good old games. Yeah, I wouldn't pay uh, a whole lot of money, frankly. Well, it, you can get it for six bucks. <laughs> That's right. You know what costs way more than six bucks, Brent? I mean, way more. The what's that? Wheel. Oh yeah. The Actually, wheel. wheel didn't cost that much, but yeah. All right, Brent. Yo, it costs us big money, my son. So, it costs us a little piece of ourselves every time That's it spins. right. Hey, every time this thing spins, the soul box gets a little lower on the old essence chart. <laughs> Thank God my innocence is low. So that's a whole other story there. So, Brent, this week we added, as our retro rewind piece, the, oh, the almighty Apple II. There you see big Apple right there. And uh, for our new entry this week, we've got games on the Android platform. Android. I don't have a lot of experience on that. On the, the Android games, Brent. So, and now, Brent, you want to talk about these locks we've got on the wheel? Uh, yeah, we've got three locks on the wheel: the Atari 1200, the Sinclair ZX Spectrum, and the TRS-80. If those come up, they will stay on the wheel, and they will have a possibility of spinning again. And I do believe we are going to hit a lock. We have this not week. picked one. These are for our fallen shows that fell by the wayside, Brent. Are you so ready? Give it a spin. Are you ready? Here we. Go! Let me get good and tight. Oh no! It's chat choice, everyone! Chat choice! Holy smokes, you in the chat room! We hope you're still hanging around. We need your help. So, Brent, tell them how chat choice works. Chat choice? Oh, they're already chiming in. <laughs> tell them throw how it works. Some, throw out some opinions in there, guys, and, and we will. Uh randomly pick one from the uh, things that are chosen, unless there's a clear uh, winner, which right now it looks like we do have a clear winner. Well, let's, let's give it a minute here. Brent. Course, yeah, yeah. We're, while we're waiting, oh, well. while we're waiting, let's talk about what's coming up uh, <coughs> uh, of importance next week. In fact, uh, it will be just, just slightly less than a week. Uh, Jan uh, January, July 18th. It will be happening. It says the Amigathon 2020, where uh, the Amigos Retro Gaming Channel raises money for the Children's Miracle Network uh, hospitals. Uh, this uh, this has uh, always been a perennial event that we, we always enjoy. We like raising money. We always have good luck. Uh, this event will kick off again uh, Saturday, July 18th. At 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Brent. Always a happening. But this year, uh, we've got some uh, very uh, awesome pals jumping in to help us out. Uh, as several hours of the show will be hosted by the one and only Neil from Retro Man Cave. And we'll also have our good buddy, Amiga Bill, who'll be hosting a couple hours. I think he's got a special treat planned uh, on his, when he does his uh, run-through. There'll be a trivia contest. There's art contests. 
There's uh, uh, music stuff going on. It's going to be awesome, Bridget. There's going to be some Amiga games played, uh, and it should be a good time. And it's all for a worthy cause. Uh, the uh, uh, Amigathon 2020, the Children's Miracle Network. Every cent raised goes directly to them. We are our, our grubby little hands aren't involved. They, the money doesn't come through us. It goes directly to the Children's Miracle Network. We're hoping to raise two thousand dollars this year to bring our total, uh, all-time total, over the ten grand mark, Brandon. If you could believe that, and I know for certain, when I last checked, we had already raised over a thousand dollars. So we're already sort of halfway to the goal. Nice. So hopefully, we could go way past two thousand dollars. And help those kids out. Charity is more important now, Brent, than it's probably been in quite some time. So there you go. So please join I us for the uh, uh, the Amigathon. So uh, we've given the chat uh, uh, some time to uh, contemplate. Brent, have you looked over the chat? And is there some uh, sort of uh, over opinion on what we're going to be doing next week? Uh, yes, there absolutely oh, is. Oh, there is. The, the overwhelming choice yes. is the Amstrad. CPC. The Amstrad CPC. You know, I believe that, I think the Amstrad won this uh, once before. How do we get so many Amstrad <laughs> fans in the chat room? And I'm looking over the yeah. chat. It looks like everyone wanted, uh, uh, not everyone, there's a few different ones there, but there's a lot of CPC fans out there. Uh, so, heck, we'll, let's give the people what they want. Uh, we will give that a shot, Brent. CPC it is. So, you asked and we will deliver two, two Amstrad CPC games, Brent. Personally, I plan on doing a cheap ZX Spectrum port just to make people happy. <laughs> I'm going to do the cheapest ZX Spectrum port you ever saw. That's going to be awesome. They would call it instant hate. Instant hate for me for that comment. Uh, I, it should be fun, Brad. Do you remember the uh, Amstrad games we've played in the past? Uh, I mean, not offhand, but, you know, uh, I, I know the Amstrad. I believe Pinball... Uh, was it Pinball Dreams with the uh, wacky release? I think we played that on here. That was a, 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 a an amazing modern Amstrad game. Uh, so I'm going to go back and play one of the. And it's funny, I've got a pretty good setup to play some Amstrad stuff now. So I'm going to go back and play some one of the more classic games this time, as opposed to a more modern game. That'll be fun because, like I said, I haven't got to play a whole lot of Amstrad, Brent. So. Uh, Brent, do you want to say uh, hello to any of the chat people who picked this, uh, uh, or others? Well, let's take a real quick look at our lurkers out there. Uh, <laughs> let's say hello to Acton, and we'll say hello to Feet, and let's say hello to Lurks, and finally, let's say hello to the Devil's the devilish. Come on, you could. Let's say hello to Thicker. <laughs> You just got rid of the devil part, the guy. <laughs> uh, and and some of our chatters today. We've got Picard twenty ten. We've got Amiga Live, Duncan Styles, uh, Carrington. Why do you make me read? I love names? it. Oh, you. This is uh, your bit. This is your bit. Proto NL. We got Mitts up in here. Buck Owen said hello. Paul Kitching. Let's see. I believe there was one more big old chatter way Picard, up here at the top. And uh, no, Boy, that's that a it. long way to go for that. So, again, next week, and we like to thank everybody for joining us in chat. Uh, next week, we'll be picking their choice, which is the Amstrad CPC. Please uh, join us. Uh, despite the fact the Amigathon's going on Saturday, uh, I'm all man. And I'll be in here Sunday morning, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to rock and roll with some Amstrad. So, till we see you next time, you bite. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the episode. We'd like to say hello to all of our YouTube subscribers, as well as all of our Twitch followers. We want to say a special thank you to Duncan Styles, who does all of our awesome Vectric graphics, and to BarkBit, for writing our incredible closing theme. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at anchor.fm slash ARG presents. Help keep us spinning. Just like these fine folks. John Duckman, Chris Foles, 
Frodo NL, Gary Heather, Anthony Jarvis, Graham W. Vetke, John Schaller, Terry Howard, Hermsky, and Retro Algae. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can help us by leaving us a positive review on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Have an idea you'd like to add to the wheel? You can contact us at argpresents at mail.com. ARG films live on Twitch every Sunday, 9 a.m. EDT. Hope to see you there.